Gather around, fans. It's time for a late night dilly dilly on the Buddy Martin Show. All right, good evening. Welcome to the program. I'm Buddy Martin. Glad to be with you tonight. We're uh, starting off a little bit of a problem with our logistics, but we'll get that cranking in just a minute. Glad to have you tonight. we got a jam-packed show. A lot of stuff to talk about. Since the epic meltdown on Saturday, <clears throat> we talked about it some on Sunday morning with you. We have a few thoughts about that. I'm sure you have many. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we're going to be dialing up Chris Doring here momentarily to get him on the Buddy Martin Show and podcasts coming to you once again on a Monday night here from Studio 12 in Ocala. Good evening to Clint, to David, to Jake, Paula, Scott, Mike, Laurie, Bubba. Now, all you folks will be getting right to you momentarily as you climb aboard for the program tonight. Uh, we will um, try to stay up to speed with you on it. Shortly after that, the Minister of Information, Graham Hall, will be joining us. Uh, and Graham will give us his thoughts about how do you put Humpty Dumpty back together again. It'll be a question that will be going on for quite some time. It'll also probably center around who will be the quarterback. We don't know yet. Dan Mullen didn't reveal that today uh, in his press conference. He's left the door open for several possibilities, and that will be a subject of much discussion, somewhat controversial, and I guess, yes, we do have a, uh, a bit of a quarterback controversy. So uh, we, will, uh, uh, we will address that, but we're not going to be dominated by it, all right? We're going to address it. Followed that, we have a discussion with our friend, a sports writer and author who has a new book out. Richard Burton has been covering high school sports forever around here, and a very famous high school basketball player, uh, basketball coach, passed away last week, Jim Haley. He was a good friend of Richard's, and a guy that uh, really was known all over the country, as a matter of fact. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to Richard about that. Richard also has a fascinating new book out about high school playoffs, the high school football playoffs, uh, which started in the 1960s. I actually covered one of the first ones. And Richard has all the history, a new book coming out, which is out now. You'll hear him talking about that as well. So let's uh, let's get underway. And, of course, the Iron Duke will be here. Franz Beer will be joining us momentarily. Well, I'd say momentarily, the back half of the show, to get his take. He had a good column today online on the Buddy Mart Show page. And uh, if you haven't read it, be sure and read it. Uh, he's talking about it's time for Trask, as we said on our show uh, uh, last Sunday morning. Let's give somebody else a chance. Who is it going to be? And yet, the odd thing about it is, is that Dan Mullen has never benched a starting quarterback like this this early in the season. And that's not traditional for him. So uh, that will be interesting uh, to see what he take, what his take on that is. But first, let's go out to the hotline and see if we can't get our friend Chris Doring of SEC now. He saw it all. I know he's like many of us. He believes Dan Mullen's the right guy. Hello. But that would be the voice of SEC's now 
SEC now's Chris Doring, our very own, and uh, he's in town for a change, uh, headed back to Charlotte this weekend. And I know it must have been painful for you to watch, although your job is not to cheer, it is to report and analyze. But the whole issue of what happened on Saturday has left us all scratching our heads. Good evening to you, Chris. Can you Good give evening. us your yeah, top of it's mind? Yeah. Painful for me for yeah. a couple of different reasons. First of all, that was on our network, so I was having to talk about it at halftime mm-hmm. and post game, and mm-hmm. and uh, it was painful. One as a Florida alum, and it was too painful to have to be subjected to watch for three and a half hours or whatever that oh, long yes. that game went. It was uh, simply poorly played by Florida in, in every single phase. Uh, credit to Missouri for. What they were able to do, I mean, a lot of people talk about Florida coming off the disappointment of losing that game to Georgia and how their mindset was going to be, and they come out flat. Well, imagine losing the game the way they did the previous week that that Missouri did to Kentucky. I mean, the last play of the game after a pass interference call, untimed down, and they found a way to come to Gainesville on the road, rebound, and, uh, and really dominate to get their first SEC win of the year. I don't know where to start. I mean, everybody wants to start with a quarterback, but really it's always the way it is. But there were so many things wrong in that game. I think the biggest disappointment is is the fact that they came out flat uh, and almost like they rolled the balls on the field, as they say, yeah. and said, we're the Gators, we're going to win. And yeah. it appeared that they played flat. It was uninspired. Uh, it was, By the way, it was not a great coaching job either, by the way. Uh, the, the players – seemed to be in kind of a whiny mood about it after the game. Some of them were texting out and, and also tweeting out some things about, you know, the fans. The fans are obviously very upset. Uh, it wasn't a great showing for homecoming. Uh, and in general, it, I wondered, I, this is one theory, uh, and I, this is just pure speculation, but you wonder if that last quarter against Georgia, when I had that great goal line stand with 10 minutes to go in the game, that they held them, but then went on to lose the game. You couldn't ask for any more max effort than that of your team. It was brilliant. But you wonder after that if they just shot their load, man, and that was it. You know, they were yeah. done. If they, they walked off and came back to work and said, well, okay, this is just Missouri. You know, we, we, we showed them what we can do. I don't know what happened. The attitude looked to me like it wasn't the best in the world. You know, I mentioned, and this was some of the uh, some of the, the 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 discussion around that Tennessee week, and I was quoted in the preseason as saying that if Florida lost to Kentucky, I thought they would lose in in Knoxville. Now, when it came to the the game week, I actually picked Florida to win that game up there. But mm-hmm. the reason I made that comment at the time was because I thought this team was soft mentally. I thought it lacked leadership, and I didn't think they'd be able to recover from a loss like like they had would have suffered at home against Kentucky. They ultimately proved me wrong there, but I believe that to be more of who this team is in actuality is the one that I evaluated in the preseason that lacks leadership and is soft to some degree. Dan Mullen's biggest job in coming to Florida and inheriting this program is changing the the, the mental the mental capacity of, of these players and what they demand, what he demands of them and what they demanded themselves. And that includes not getting too full of yourself when you have success. Sometimes it's easier to overcome disappointment than it is to handle success. 
And I think part of what you said is accurate. I think this team started believing they were really good and that Missouri hadn't won a game in the in the SEC yet and that they could just show up and win at home. Well, it doesn't work that way. So, you know, I was disappointed in the players. I was disappointed in the coaches. And I was disappointed in the fans, too. That's one thing that Dan Mullen say yes, when he, he got here was like, it doesn't start with us winning championships mm-hmm. and the fans showing up. Everybody has a role, and that includes the fans to create an atmosphere that is intimidating for other teams to come. I was flat out embarrassed to see some of the shots of the stadium when I when I turned that when we had yeah. the game on in the studio. It's well, embarrassing. You must for me. have been, yeah. Yeah, I mean that that would have never happened back when I was playing at Florida. You remember? Oh I mean, yeah. Shoot, Coach Spurrier, they they tried to boo us in one of the. My, I think it was my senior year. We struggled in the first series, and they started to boo us. And he corrected that real quick. And this is just a, it's a different day and age, I guess. It's a different crowd. But um, if, if this was going to be a successful program again, it requires everybody's investment, including the fans showing up and making the swamp the home field advantage that we've always known it to be. Chris Durang, I know this is something I can discuss with you. A lot of football people would think I'm absolutely crazy. But I, there's a bigger picture here I wanted to discuss from more of a esoterical perspective it's just one of a hundred theories but follow me football is changing dramatically the game uh-huh. has changed it isn't in some places that has doesn't pack the passion it did it's not just yeah. here it's campuses yeah. all over america and you can yeah. make of it what you want to you can say why is there more to do is there more on the internet is there more whatever uh, is it a violent game? I mean, is it getting a game to be a game? You know, soccer is getting more popular uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I'm putting this all together in one back, one basket, one bucket. I have a couple of friends of mine in football. One of them's a coach who said, I don't think we'll have football in 10 years, you know, because of all the issues of that we know about. Now, the converse of that is some people say they're, they're worrying the game by over-officiating it. The, the whole thing with uh, with targeting now has upset a lot of people that it's gotten too far. It's gone too far. It's touched football and so on. Now, put that on hold for a second, and then I'm, I'm going to get your response. There's no doubt that since I went to school, and even since you went to school, academically, Florida has gotten higher and higher and more difficult to get into. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it, and it's okay. It's not a pejorative term to say nerds. A lot of people love being nerds and want to be nerds. I have a, a in my family who considers himself a nerd, not my son, but, uh, and, and is proud of it because they're smart people. He happens to be in IT and computer programming and so on and so forth. So there are a lot more of those kind of people on campus now than when Chris Dorn was playing yeah. and catching all those passes and setting records. So the mm-hmm. context of the student body, the student body, I haven't talked to them. I'm just, they're different kinds of people. Yeah. It's a more of an international crowd. They're not all raised in the South where football is king, you know, and so on. So I wonder, given all that, then add in the factor, and this is the last piece of philosophy I'm going to put out there, add in the Come factor on. that you can sit in your living room in a 56-inch TV with a cold one and a beautiful day and sit there and flip around and watch yeah. four ball games and watch it and see have a, have a 50-yard line seat and have it explained to you in detail and replayed, and you think, well, there's a reason that goes deeper than yeah. just fans not wanting to come to the ballpark. How yeah. about all that? 
I think you're accurate in every single point you made there. I mean, I think all of those different factors play into what we're seeing in terms of attendance or lack thereof. Um, you know, and as, as you said, it's not unique to the University of Florida. Uh, you look across the SEC, there's empty seats in just about every stadium. I mean, I think one of the things that's unique about the University of Georgia is how well they travel. And maybe some of that has to do with their success last year. Uh, maybe it has to do with some of their road schedule. But they still travel the way that, that Florida used to travel. And a lot of teams are cutting back and, and making those road trips, or a lot of fans are cutting back and making those road trips for a number of different reasons. I think the irony about it is this big paycheck that all 14 teams, uh, schools in the SEC get in the spring when they have spring meetings in Destin comes from the SEC network, comes from the contracts, the TV contracts. So the money that they're putting in their pocket is actually what's what's doing them in, in a lot of ways because you're right. I mean, everybody, every game's on TV. Everybody can sit home and and watch it from the comfort of the living room and not have to battle the heat in the bathrooms and the lack of alcohol and everything else. So, I believe those things are all true. But I think the thing that's most dangerous and most scary about it is what you talk about in terms of the student body and the interest of the students now, not only in, in coming to the games but the overall interest in the game of football. Those people are going to be your next boosters as they go on in life, as they graduate, as they become employed in the workforce. Those are the ones that are going to be donating money or not donating money. And so not having a connection to the football program is ultimately going to affect you know, facilities. It's going to affect the budget. It's going to affect a lot of different things that you know, this, this arms race has, uh, has created over the last uh, 10 or 15 years in, in college football. So I think there's a lot of concerning factors, not only to the University of Florida Athletic Association, but to the entire world of college football in general. It, like you said, it, it affects everybody, not just here in Gainesville. All right, we saw Humpty Dumpty take a fall, Chris Doring, uh, and it was not a pretty sight. Uh, where do you start putting Humpty Dumpty together again? Because everything is back on the table now. There's also that possibility of going 7-5 and five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you, and what a disaster it would be. And I'm not going to be a negative person. That's not my take. I've always liked this team. But if they would lose to Florida State, that would be a disaster. Yeah. yeah. So, so now, yeah. what do you do? Uh, how, how do you how do you start this? How do you jump to start this thing? Well, first of all, I think you hope you have some competitors on your team. I think you. I hope you have some guys that have some pride that understand maybe that they got a little full of themselves. Maybe they didn't practice with the same desperation or urgency as as Dan Mullen described it this week in his press conference. I think that it's a, um, you know, this is, this is a gut check time because they, they very well could. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who I'm picking on Friday night on SEC now when it comes to Florida and South yeah. Carolina. South Carolina fights the way that you wish Florida fought. You know, you look at every single game that Florida plays, or excuse me, South Carolina plays, they are fighting till the very end. They, they you know, coming back against, about they were down 16 nothing against Texas A&M, fought back to tie it up before ultimately losing that game. They, they fought back against Missouri. They fought back and forth. They were down 10 in the fourth quarter against Ole Miss. This is a team that shows a ton of resiliency, and their their overall mo reflects that of their head coach, Will Muschamp, gritty, tough, blue collar. 
So this is a game that they can very easily lose if they and don't show up. And they got a guy can fling it. Got a guy can fling it. And the secondary is yeah. well. You know what's funny about this? I'll let you go after this, Chris. I apologize. Keep it on. But the bottom line is all the things, like you said before, is this team mentally tough? That was the question. But now yeah. you look back at the – you look at the things. All right, you wondered about Felipe. You wondered about the offensive line. You worried about the secondary. Well, all of a sudden, all those things were exposed last – this past Saturday, all those things, they're not. And even Mullen said, you can't cover up your weaknesses now. Yeah. And so uh, this is going to have to be recruited out and, and yep. development. And I guess if there's any measure of disappointment, it is that I guess Mullen thought, we thought he could develop Felipe into a starting quarterback in the SEC. And now he's saying he was probably not ready. That's disappointing to hear, you know? So we'll yeah. see. Any thoughts? It, on it, it, what I tell you, I told you in the preseason that I thought Florida was an eight and four team. Mm-hmm. We very well may get to eight and four. It may be a different route than mm-hmm. what uh, we expected it to be. You right. know, some different losses and some peaks and valleys along the way. Exactly. But I think at the end of the day, this is a this is a conference right now that has about three really good teams in it, and about six that you can interchange with one another. With Florida being one of those teams, and South Carolina being one of those teams, and Missouri being one of those teams. So. You know, it comes down to showing up and playing your best. But at the end of the day, there's, they're not very good on the offensive line. They're undersized on the defensive line, and they're extremely limited at the quarterback position. That's a recipe for being a mediocre football team. Yeah. We'll see you on SEC now. Hopefully you have a better weekend. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris Doring, SEC week. now. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, Chris Doring. Yeah, it's going to be tough when you're up there like that, and you're in the studio with your team playing, and you're sitting there, and they're saying, Hey, Doring. What's wrong with all those Gators, man? They're not playing too good, are they? Yeah, they sure didn't. Job-related accidents create incredible stress on your finances, your relationships, and most importantly, your sense of well-being. When the adjuster is not approving benefits you're entitled to by law, you need Dan Hightower to help you understand all of your legal options. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. Call Daniel L. Hightower today to better understand all your legal options. 352-629-7777. For accident victim justice since 1976, I want to be sure and tell you about Griners. Griners for Men, a place if you have not been, well, you, you need to go because it's part of uh, everybody in Ocala knows about Griners. And it's North Central Florida knows about it. It's a place that uh, uh, has been dressing generations of men. Uh, it's been a tradition since 1962. They have fine clothing there. You can get your size. You can get first-class service. That's the thing. They'll tell you what to wear, how to wear it, and what goes with what, and how to have an ensemble, etc. David DeSantis and his team down there do a great job. I would suggest you go down and visit them in Ocala, downtown Ocala, 405 East Summer Spring Boulevard. Uh, you can telephone them at 352-629-3195. Granters for Men. A tradition since 1962 in Ocala. Also, Center State Bank is uh, my bank and a place that uh, you should go if you haven't. It's a beautiful building. It's a place where you can have social events as we do. And we've done on several occasions for charitable um, occasions, for art gallery, art shows, etc. They've even had weddings in there. Uh, and it's a place that also does a pretty good job in banking, by the way. That's why they uh, they pride themselves on on the core values of things like 
long-term horizon on their financials, a world-class service relationship banking. Uh, if you don't know uh, about Center State Bank, go on log on to centerstatebank.com and check out the location nearest you. There are 82 locations in 30 Florida counties, uh, and they have a, 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 a motto right there you see, Center State Bank. Centered on community and customer service. Call them in Ocala at 352-368-6800 if you want to find out about starting a checking account or perhaps a savings account. Uh, it, they're located on this particular building, this beautiful building, Silver Springs Boulevard in Ocala. Center State Bank, centered on community and customer service. It's time for the Minister of Information. Uh, see what he's got to say. I'm sure he's got a few things. He usually does. And wonder who he thinks will start. Who do you think is going to start? Well, we haven't even gotten to that yet. We'll see what uh, the minister has to say about it. Uh, let's see when he pops up here any moment. He'll be popping up. And there he is right there. That would hey, be. Good evening, Graham. How are you doing? Doing very well. Good to be here with you guys tonight. And, uh, a little rough two weeks, but. Uh... Pretty good practice today for Florida, honestly. Yeah, bring us up to date. I saw the press conference. What uh, any any news feelings about what uh, what happened and uh, any anything that you came away thinking about the quarterbacks? You have a feeling about what's going to happen there? Uh, well, well, from what I've heard, you know, I do think that it is going to be kind of an open battle. Even last week, uh, you know, I'm not trying to call him out or anything, but I don't think Felipe responded um, or bounced back really. Uh, after the loss to Georgia, and, and Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson responded by giving Kyle Trask and Emory Jones more work last week in practice, and they, they kind of hoped to motivate him um, and spark that fire that they saw in preseason camp, that they saw in spring practice, when he, he did feel like his job was on the line. Um, and they tried to, uh, you know, get that back out of him by making him feel like as if, you know, it was his job to lose. And they didn't see what they really wanted to see. Um, and I think from all accounts, he had one of his worst weeks of practice um, in the last year, uh, last week. And it, I think it absolutely showed anyone to say it didn't show wasn't watching the game. And that was um, very clear. I mean, he was four for 15 at a time and finished with what, 84 passing yards and couldn't hit even a, a Missouri defensive back with some of his throws. And, and I, I think that a lot of people saw what was probably the final nail in the coffin for Felipe Franks' Florida career. Um, and if it's not, I think it's going to be against South Carolina. I, I can't imagine they start him against Idaho. I think that is would be a move towards the future, maybe starting um, uh, Emory Jones or splitting halves between Emory and Kyle Trask. Um, but I, I think that Felipe has pretty much uh, run himself out of Gainesville um, with the last few weeks. Uh, and who knows if even Kyle Trask is, is going to be on the roster even after this season. I mean, the, the guy probably feels rightfully so as if uh, Florida, if you really look at it from a, his fair perspective, um, he probably feels as if he should have got his chance to do what he did in those, you know, what what was it, 20 minutes? He got, came in five minutes up in the third quarter. He probably feels like he earned that opportunity earlier, but he is, by all accounts, and in many, many ways, people have long said that he's a better quarterback and that what he had to work on was a lot less uh, than what Felipe had to work on. But obviously with Dan Mullen, Kyle Trask is always going to have limitations. They can only run about 70% of the offense that Dan Mullen wants to run with, with Kyle Trask unless they use different packages for quarterbacks like Kadarius Toney or, or Emory Jones. So it is an interesting situation and, and pretty, pretty disheartening for, I'm sure, Florida fans as well and Dan Mullen himself, who, who really uh, probably took it a little bit too personal in him trying to want to reclaim what a lot of people, 
I guess, saw last year was that Felipe's shortcomings were probably too much for him to overcome and become a true SEC quarterback. And and Dan Mullen, kind of a guy who, you know, if you can say any negative really about his personality, he does take things pretty personally and has shown that frequently. And I think a lot of people, he did take personally people saying, a lot of people saying, you know, you can't turn Felipe Franks into a good quarterback. And he has tried adamantly to to do that, and he still is. I mean, he was out there today saying that he's still the starting quarterback. It's still going to be, you know, such and such, his job to lose. He still has a long leash. He still is saying the same things that he said for 10 months. But anyone who's watched his body language and knows what goes on behind the scenes knows that you really risk losing your, some of your players if you continue to stick with a guy that a lot of people in the locker room are, are – uh, losing their support in as well is kind of the best way I can really put it, buddy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and say this. Um, I talked to Chris Doring earlier about this. <clears throat> and I, and, and I, I think there's a, a larger overall problem here. And I didn't like necessarily how Dan handled it with his, his observation of the crowd. I don't agree that the crowd has to fill up before a championship can be won. I think that there they are one they kind of parallel. Uh, and I'm disappointed in a way, and I'm a big fan of Dan's, by the way. I think he's absolutely the right guy. That he came out and said, well, now he's saying that Felipe wasn't ready to play. I, I get that he didn't have a lot of options at that point in time, but I'd hate, you know, I think what he's saying, I, I hear in there, is kind of an admission that he hasn't been able to get the job done with him. And he has been able to do that with all his quarterbacks in the past. He's a developer of quarterbacks. And I don't know, he's never come out and criticized him. Uh, but the fact is, you know, we now see that it sounds like he's given up on him. And by the way, I understand why. Because he hasn't played well. And he made a disastrous fumble against Georgia, that even though they had a goal line stand. And anyway, the bottom line is those are those two points. The other thing is I, I want to say that I bought into the fact that this team was was was, was an eight and eight, nine win team. And maybe even ten after they won those five in a row. But I think, as I said to Chris, the lack of talent was exposed, the flaws in the in the defense lines of scrimmage, the quarterback and the secondary even have been exposed. And here's what I wrote today. Somebody asked me, oh, fine, Bob asked me, and I wrote him a note. I said, you can't just go on adrenaline. Hashtag relentless effort and scheme just goes so far. I think they shot their wild on the goal line against Georgia. I know a couple of guys, I think, who are thinking playing for the draft status, it feels that way. They could go 7-5 and five if they lose to a terrible FSU team. So those are just top-of-mind thoughts. Now, I'm not waving the white flag. I'm not saying it's over or that it's a failure, whatever. I'm saying it's a setback, but on the, by the same token, there is a chance to retrieve this year and to finish with eight wins, which will be a good year. Uh, but some disappointments there. I guess maybe I bought into Mullen and drank the Kool-Aid, you know, a little too much, but I thought they were better than that. Your take well, on that? They can still win nine games, buddy. They can still yeah, win these Yeah, they last can games. win nine games. I don't think they'll win. I don't believe they'll. I don't know if they'll beat South Carolina the way they're playing right now. Got a guy who uh, can fling it. This is a, 
this is a South Carolina team that, you know, if we're scouting South Carolina right now, I mean, they come in here with a good quarterback in Jake Bentley, and they come in with a great running back. Um, oh, safety, safe, both safeties are hurt. And, and but you're, it's more than just two safeties. I believe yeah. they have three safeties. Yeah. Hurt. They're even their backups. The guys that they have playing are uh, very, very banged up. And that, you know, I'm not saying that that's going to be an issue, but um, this could be a situation where if Florida is going to look to take a lot of shots downfield, and, and in the past, even in the last year, that has pretty much been the best chance that the offense has had at uh, winning football games. And, and if one of the areas where Felipe was, I guess, Mr. Reliable in a sense was his downfield throwing ability before this season. Now he can't hit one to save his life. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm going to say something else really quick about, uh, about a quarterback's point. And you guys can disagree with me or not. And, and you know, this is, this is something that I think you can maybe attest to. And, and it's a point I think a lot of people have made, buddy. You know, you know Steve Spurrier went through, uh, went through quarterbacks like hand towels. Um, at, at a time, you know, if a guy wasn't working out and he wouldn't stick with you, he would not tie his reputation to a quarterback. If a quarterback could not cut it, the University of Florida under Steve Spurrier, it was never on Steve Spurrier. It was always on the quarterback. Now, is that fair or not? Who knows? But for well, Steve by who? Spurrier, by Spurrier or by the fans? Uh, uh, was it fair for Spurrier? I think that there, people have various perspectives about it because there's a lot of quarterbacks that you go out there and talk to who be, don't become successful until their junior, senior year, and they kind of, you know, get thrown into the fire like Dan Mullen was trying yeah. to say earlier about yeah. Felipe. You know, they get thrown into the fire and it hurts up their development because coaches are so worried about getting these four-star, five-star guys in because they think that if they aren't developing right away that it's on the coach. And that – trend that is I think seemed to pick up in the last 20 25 years again you can correct me if it's always been there or something but you're seeing coaches and, and quarterbacks have their their growth to both stunted both positions be stunted by people who are worried about the outside perspe- perception when really you know a quarterback can often need three years I mean you, you look at guys like you know Jeff Driscoll Jacoby Brissett those guys probably had their development hindered by the high expectations of recruiting services and the regard of you being a quarterback at Florida, being a high assignee, you're supposed to come in right away and, and be the next Tim Tebow, when really the perspective is that those are once-in-a-generation talents, not just guys that you sign in every single class. So I think that anyone expecting, and I'm not saying this is about Felipe Franks, but Dan Mullen is just feeling the, uh, the consequence of these two decades-long worth of pressure, that if you're a coach who has any questions about your offensive success – you have to start a high-level quarterback right away, and they have to be good right away. And if they're not, you kind of have to move on. Um, and I don't know if that's if that's hurting the, the the program or not, but it seemed to work really well for Steve Spurrier yeah. when he would get rid of quarterbacks. And, and I don't know why that has kind of gone away with it. Maybe it's all the social media, the outside perception, and the fact that it's such a public thing if a quarterback gets benched. And, you know, Mullen even said it after Saturday's game that we rotate – running backs all the time, wide receivers, and you guys don't write about that and guys losing their jobs. But when it comes to the quarterback, it's this big thing. So it used to not be such a big thing, it seemed like, at Florida, and arguably the most, the best coach in Florida history rotated quarterbacks, you know, like ties. Yeah, and look, Spurrier had his own way. He had, he rotated, he actually, he, he used two quarterbacks rotating him every play one time. Uh, but he always had a philosophy give the other guy a chance. And Spurrier's philosophy was, it's like baseball. Some days the guy starts, doesn't have his good stuff. Bring somebody else in on the bullpen. And if the yeah. guy pitches good enough, bring him back in next week. 
And so he was big on that kind of thing. And I've, you know, I've seen him do it to Werfel. I've seen him, do, I've seen him bury a guy who, you know, who never played again. Sure. I've seen, you know, I've seen, and, and, and you know, that's just how he is. Uh, I, I think, I don't, it's not Mullen's been Mullen's style. Mullen's been to get guys. And the thing about it is, is the kind of, the prototypical quarterback Mullen has been getting is a, usually a tall, big guy who can run. And, you know, look at his quarterbacks who he's had. So anyway, I don't know. I mean, we could be here all night talking about that, uh, but uh, we'll see the quarterback. I'm not convinced 100 percent that it won't be that that he won't put Franks out there and give him a quick pull and give him a quick short leash. I just don't know which way. I, I'm pretty sure he won't. Uh, you know, he won't. Uh, uh, he he won't start Jones. Not this game. He might start him against Idaho, maybe. Uh, so yeah. it's going to be either Trask. Or it'll be Felipe and a quick, a quick leash, short leash, quick trigger, I think. Okay, so tell me, what do you do to rebuild this team? Uh, you know, it's probably not an easy answer, buddy. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it, I'm going to give you a cop-out beginning of part of the answer. It starts on the recruiting trail and um, not just going on finding better players, but showing guys uh, that they're dispensable, guys on the current roster. That, and that's how you're – remove entitlement is, is kind of going back to what I was saying. You know, we, we, we talk about when you take a quarterback out, it's a big story, but every position really should be treated as such that there's no surefire starter. Marco Wilson should not be guaranteed a starting position. I know that sounds ludicrous in theory, but Florida, if they, they should embody that mentality if they really want to get back to competing with the likes of Alabama and, and Georgia right now. They have to understand this mentality that there's no guaranteed positions. There's no guaranteed reps each week. There's no guaranteed starter. Um, the more that they have that mentality, the better it is. And that goes in, out there to finding kids who can come in right away and compete. And you're seeing some of that right now in Dan Mullen's first year for sure. Emory Jones is, is breathing down the, ba- the back of the necks of Kyle Trask and, and Felipe Franks and putting pressure on those guys that they don't win now to, to transfer, knowing that he's the future and that they got Jalen Jones coming in and Anthony Richardson coming in. That's how Dan Mullen is sowing the seeds. He's getting top-level talent right now that's putting pressure on the guys, the other underclassmen uh, who are still on the roster but weren't part of Mullen's regime and yeah. may have that sense of entitlement, that sense of head-hanging when, when they're out of the SEC East contention, when there's still a lot of stuff to be played for. Yeah. I mean, it's the fact that the guys in this roster don't think that if a four-game winning streak could change the future of this program, what could it, it could do for recruits that they could land, right. getting a if they don't understand that, then those people don't. Those people in Mullen's eyes, and I'm not saying this is all not my opinion, but that's what Mullen's trying to reinstate. Yeah. That if they don't understand that, if they don't have those same goals, if they all have various goals of people are thinking about the NFL and they're thinking about why they're not getting more minutes, that's the things that Mullen's trying to eliminate. And getting that, to, you know, to everyone think that oh, they could lose their job at any minute, which means losing their livelihood and losing their future. Until you get guys like that. They're going to lose games in November that they shouldn't lose, and they're going to come up short in the SEC every year. And it's kind of refreshing to Florida fans, as painful it is as it is. You have to give Mullen some credit for going out there on Saturdays after games, going out there on Monday mornings, and saying as such. I, you know, I saw Ed Orgeron get trashed after they got you know trashed by Alabama for saying that he wanted to go recruit better players. Now, was that message going to resound well with his players in the you know the two weeks after that loss? Hell no. But was that going to be a bulletin board material for him in that locker room and, and yeah. something he can help people on the recruiting trail for the next three months? 
Absolutely. That was genius in a sense. Anyone who doesn't see what he was doing doesn't understand what you can do on the recruiting trail and how you can use the media in a sense. I think Mullen's kind of understanding that, and, and Florida's uh, hopefully getting the message. Yeah, I'll leave you with this thought, and uh, and I'll let you go. Uh, running behind here on a couple of things, but uh, I wanted to say that you, I would go this far, and I brought this up last week. If you thought, and I know I'm not saying I would necessarily pull the trigger, but you have to think about this. If sure. you thought Kelly Bryant was your guy, and I know a lot of people don't, and I get it. I'll just, sure. I can throw anybody's name you want to out there. You know, Justin Fields or wherever, if he was available. <laughs> if you thought he was your guy, maybe it's a different world today. Maybe you got to go get yourself a free agent quarterback. Because look at the, look at what the top teams are. And look who their quarterbacks are, and look how they made the changes. Alabama, you know, Clemson, Georgia, Notre Dame, all made changes at quarterback. So if you want an elite quarterback and one comes along, even though your quote unquote quarterback room has chemistry, and I've changed on this, if you want to win big, you may have to change your way of thinking and say, we're going to go after that guy if you want to make the team better. It's a thought. Yep. You know, and, and I'm going to say this to Florida fans, and I'm not trying to be mean in a sense, but like what you just said, if you want to win, you have to use every bit of your rules. I mean, you, you, you see Florida fans lamenting, you know, making these jokes about Alabama and Georgia cheating and, and you know, going on the recruiting trail and, and you know, paying players and all that stuff and, and joking about stuff. But really what they're doing is they're taking advantage of every single loophole and every single rule. I mean, NFL and NCAA, sorry, is, is becoming, uh, like you said, it's moving more towards a free agency with the grad transfers. And if Alabama's doing it, if they're getting guys um, consistently to, you know, four-star, five-star guys who don't work out at other programs to come into that program, you have to do that too if you're Florida. I mean, I'm not a betting man, and, and you know, I'm not trying to put any money on anything um, or say that I have any inside information. But just knowing what I've heard and, and everything, if I was to bet right now, I would say that Kyle Trask and Felipe Franks have transferred by signing day, and I would not be surprised if you know before the bowl game they were to announce those decisions so they could get a head start well, on that. Yeah, besides, hey, yeah. By the way, uh, could you just give me a 15 second answer? I'm sorry. Joe Fulford has asked three times. He's heard a report there was an altercation in the locker room after the game. Have you heard anything about that? Have you asked? Are you asking me what? No. He said, he said I've heard a report there was an altercation in the locker room after the game. Do you know anything uh, about this? So, you know, people hear the term altercation and they think a huge fight. Um, you know, there's a lot of hot-headed guys. I, I don't. I, I'm not going to say things might not have got minorly physical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Dan Mullen, you know, people. Mullen's a very smart guy. Everybody. I mean, you saw his answer today. Uh, he was asked um, if anything happened in the locker room after the game, mm-hmm. and he said no, no, not if. I mean, if anything happened, it was hours after. That's what he said. If anything happened, it was hours I after. I got you. I got so he you. was asked, asked if anything happened after the game. No, yeah. he said. May have happened yeah. on the facility, and what I can tell you is that uh, there was a lot of hot-headed personalities in the locker room. Yeah. Were made, especially by the seniors. Four people spoke. Raymond was first. Uh, spoke up in an effort to try and calm down a lot of those personalities. And, and this is these are a lot of guys that have let things boil up for not just two weeks but months. Yeah. And yeah. some of those things came out. And, and I'm not saying you know punches were thrown or anything like that, but you know, in a sense the way it should be spun is that maybe some guys 
got out some frustrations and, and got their heads a little bit clearer yeah. of things that they had had pent up. But by the way, it happens all the time. Just so you know. Yeah, it happens all the time. I mean, who can remember what was it? Siante Lewis. Siante Lewis was one of the guys standing up there advocating for guys to unify when mm. three years ago he was swinging a helmet at, at Jalen Taylor. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. in a sense, this stuff happens all the time, and most of yeah. it's the heat of the moment stuff. Anyone, yeah. I mean, there's no reason Dan Mullen. Yeah. There's no I'm not, I'm not trying to insult All him. All right. But, yeah. Good job. Listen, thank you. You can read him in Gator Bay. You can read him in the Games with the Sun. You can see him all kind of TV shows, radio shows. He's everywhere. He's the Minister of Information, Graham Hall. Great. Good job, Graham. Thank you, buddy. My Appreciate pleasure. It. See you guys right. later. See you, right. Take care. All right, Graham Hall. Always good to catch up with Graham. Uh, we're going to catch up with our friend Fran Spirit here in a moment uh, pretty quick. And uh, I want to first do this. sure and tell you about Red Star Medical Research while we're doing this. I'm going to call uh, the Iron Duke sitting by waiting. I'm going to call him right now while we're doing this. I want to tell you about Red Star Medical Research, a superior research facility. You hear me talk about it all the time here. You see last week's Player of the Week, the Red Star Star of the Week, uh, which is a local high school player who does has the best game and then they go into the lineup with the Scott Brantley Trophy, which is going to be awarded uh, next spring. And that person will be the one with the best academics, football results, citizenship, uh, scholarship, etc. And will be picked uh, and, and awarded a nice big trophy. So uh, Rinstar supports all of this, which we love. They also support a patient-centered clinical research facility, uh, one that uh, uh, brings cutting-edge clinical research to our community for trials on things like Alzheimer's, uh, psoriasis, osteoarthritis, migraine, fibromyalgia, along with many other conditions that affect our community since its inception in 1968. Redstar has participated in more than 600 and closer to 700 trials, continued to partner with prominent pharmaceutical and biomedical companies throughout the medical his- industry. So uh, check them out in gold line to Redstar. Um, at uh, .net and find out why they say Redstar Medical Research seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. Okay, we've had a lot of things to talk about. Uh, we, we'll never cover them tonight. Uh, it looks like I'm not going to get to the interview I wanted to play uh, with uh, my friend Richard, Richard Burton, uh, who wrote a book about high school football and also I uh, was a very good friend with a guy that Franz Beard knows and knew, uh, Jim Haley, who was one of the true great high school basketball coaches ever, who passed away last week um, at uh, age, I think he said he was seven, he said he was seven, no, 80, 84, I believe he was. No, 70, I'll have to find the right age. Anyway, I had that interview, and I didn't get to play it today because I'm running short, and I got the, the Iron Duke standing by, so I have to 
put that on a little later on, and I'll pray the rest of it tomorrow. Uh, Francis Beard joins the program. Francis, well, here we are. Not exactly what we expected to be happening, talking about a complete fiasco and meltdown. Complete. Uh, and, and, and that's the only way to describe it. Complete, the word complete, mm-hmm. because that was a collective no-show by offense, defense, special teams, uh, just absolutely uh, goes beyond description because, uh, you know, coaches can only do so much. And I, I know for a fact they had what they thought was an extraordinary week of preparation for Missouri. And I don't know what happened between the walkthrough on, you know, the the Thursday final tune-up practice, and then they had a walkthrough on Friday and Saturday. But whatever they had going, they lost it. And that that was an embarrassment because Missouri is not that good of a football team. Now, they got some talented people. There's no question about that. Got a quarterback that's going to play in the NFL. But... This was the 123rd worst pass defense in the country. And Felipe Franks couldn't have hit a bull in the butt with it. It was a fiddle from point black range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, you almost can't say anything too strong about it. We, uh, short of, of trashing, bashing, and cursing, we don't allow that. But otherwise, it was terrible. Uh, and, and it was disappointing all the way around. Uh, because it, it sort of was a mandate on on the failure to develop Felipe Franks. And going back to the days of Utah, all the way through the days of Florida, Dan Mullen has always been able to develop a quarterback. And I think maybe he met a stalemate in his admission that he that, that, that Franks really wasn't ready to play in the press conference today is a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying he shouldn't make the change. As you said... And your column, and you're right. It, it's time for Trask. And if you want to sprinkle in there, Jones, whatever, that's up. That's fine. But you know, like Spurrier always said, put somebody else in if they can't get it done. And uh, so it was time for that. But I uh, think those that or get an exorcist. Say in. Either that or get an exorcist. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It was not pretty. It was really not pretty. Uh, you had some interesting stats in your column today. Uh, about uh, about the comparative stats between Franks uh, and, and Trask, whatever, and the numbers uh, that they spoke, uh, they spoke all the words you wanted to, to speak. I, I wrote them down here someplace. But anyway, the point is that Trask looked okay. And let's be honest, he got thrown in the middle of, you know, in, in a game that uh, the first meaningful snaps he's had uh, at a time when there was already a, a big pile of poop on the field, you know. He was going against Missouri's uh, first-team defense. Uh, They knew he had to throw. They brought the house on every single play. Mm -hmm. I didn't see – I did not see any flinching on his part. I saw him stand up there. uh, Well, let me read your your paragraph. I got it right in front of me, okay? And then you can say whatever you want to, but this is what you wrote. There was no deer-in-the-headlights look from Trask even though he entered the game in less desirable circumstances. Missouri knew he was going to throw nearly every down and brought the house every play, as you just said. Trash stayed poised and actually looked to second and third receivers when given time. 
the play of the of the O line wasn't that often. Uh, he didn't uh, given the play of the O line it wasn't that often. He didn't look like a kid who was thrown only four passes all completions in mop up duty against Charleston Southern in Tennessee and a little more than a quarter Trashman ten for eighteen for one hundred twenty six yards seven yards attempt and a TD in his last two outings Franks has combined twenty two for forty three for one hundred eighty nine yards with a TD and an interception that's what you wrote. Yeah, and that's not even five yards per pass attempt. And I, I got to tell you what, there was a lot to like about Kyle Trask Saturday. Uh, I, I know that everybody's going to say, well, he's the second string quarterback and he's everybody's best friend. Well, I think that, I hate to say this, but I think Felipe Franks has hit the wall. I really and truly think he has hit the wall. I think uh, I, I think the Vanderbilt game in that second half against Vandy uh, was as good as it's going to get. And I think he started I, – I think maybe the off week between Vandy and Georgia was probably the worst thing that could have happened to him. Uh, we'll never know, of course, but he's a guy that had momentum and has lost it and not only seems to have lost the momentum that he had, but seems to have lost all confidence in his ability to make throws as well. He's, he's doing things now that he did last year. Instead of two steps forward and a step backward, which is kind of what we got used to through the first uh, about six or seven ball games. Now it's it's one step forward and two steps backward. Yeah, uh, look, we could sit here and talk about Franks all day long, uh, and the fact is, I've really felt like that Dan Mullen had a chance of uh, of coaching him up because there were moments. Even the announcers said he he throws three bad passes and he makes an NFL throw. You think, wow, only an NFL quarterback could do that because there were obviously. You know, there are obviously times. There's downsides of Trask. And every quarterback, he's not a good runner. He's not physically tough, you know. He's got a nice throw, nice arm. I'm not sure if he can manage a game or not. He's never had to as a starter. We don't know. No. We don't oh, I'm not. Hey, I, I, friends, I'm not saying don't try him. I'm all for it. I'm with you on that. I'm just My saying we, we I, want people, can do. I want people to remember this, though, two weeks from now. I want them to, when they start saying, well, we knew all the time he couldn't do this, just remember, give the kid a break. He hasn't played. You, know, you can't put him out there expecting him to be uh, ready to go in a championship form when he hasn't played. I think he can do okay. I'm just saying, I'm talking about to the fans, don't put him in there for two games and be screaming, get him, get him out of there and put him on the bench, bring in Emory Jones, which fans love to do, as you know. So it was time to make a change. No question. We don't know. And let's see what he can do. I'm all for you. I'm all for the move. I think it's the time to do it. But let me just say one thing. I've talked about this now for almost, well, for 50 minutes. And not one person so far has brought up they got no pressure on the quarterback again for the second week in a row. The the secondary is pathetic. Even the best player on defense, C.J. Henderson, got burned several times. You know, I don't know what was going on. The whole defensive effort 
like and and like Mullen said, you know, the the defense the offense was as bad as the defense, but the defense was terrible. Drew Locke ate that, their it, lunch. It, it, the whole team mailed it in, and I got to yeah. tell you somebody before Saturday happens, some things have to happen on this team. Starting with let's go on offense. The offensive line has to step up and say, "Okay, guys." We have got to run the football. You know, we Florida only ran the ball for 113 yards against Missouri. They got to say we got to protect our passer. We didn't do that Saturday. Uh, part of Florida's troubles in the passing game Saturday had everything to do with the fact that the offensive line was back to being a sieve like they were last year. And it's time for Martez Ivy's a senior. Tyler Jordan is a senior. Fred Johnson is a senior. You got three seniors there. You got Jawan Taylor, who's in his third year as a starter. These guys have got to say, you know what, guys? We got to do it. We have to get this job done. Because if they don't step it up, and play better than what we've seen in the last two weeks because our the Florida's offensive line in the last two weeks has been pathetic. I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you what. They have been pathetic. And they've got to get some push. They've got to, they've got to be able to defend off the edge. Uh, we've, we have seen since the, the second half of the Vanderbilt game We've seen a team go, you know, that's just jammed it in reverse. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's that's true, France. Um, we're going to be talking about this for a long time because there's, there's a referendum out now on this team and coach the next three games. We'll see what happens in it. But uh, the quarterback is just one of the things. Uh, people are talking. The things that are concerning uh, many of us is the fact you've got guys playing for NFL draft spots now. And uh, there was a tweet over the weekend by one of them, I won't mention his name, who talked about he's told the fans he's ready to shut it down if they keep up. And I get it. The fans can be brutal, but you better get used to it. If you think it's bad here, when you get to the NFL, it's a whole lot worse. Um, and I, I think there, there are so many things that now that have changed, the landscaping, aside from the quarterback. And you got, now you've got doubt in the secondary. Here's the one thing, and Brendan mentioned this Sunday, by the way. Here's the one thing we got to keep in mind. The element of surprise is gone. Dan Mullen was a new coach with a new team, with new personnel, and every time he did something different, it no one expected it because they didn't know it was coming. Well, guess what? There's all this tape out there now on the defensive side of the ball as well as on others. And that these coaches are smart enough, give them four or five reels of tape, as they used to call it, tape, uh, you know, give give the videos, and they'll have a scheme for it. And all of a sudden, there's no pass rush. Well, here here's another thing that's happened, buddy, is that Dan Mullen and his staff did a lot of smoke and mirrors. No question about first, it. In those first seven ball games, that's exactly what I'm talking they about. They did. They mm-hmm. had no leadership. Mm-hmm. You get to a game like the Georgia game. You get to a game like like when you got to bounce back like they did needed to do Saturday. This is when leaders step up. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's let's 
do a quick flashback to 2005. And we saw a team that was really, really in trouble. They, they, they lost to South Carolina up there. And it's a very similar situation to what this is right now because the six and three record, I think, is what they were after the South Carolina loss. And this team only bounced back because you had Vernell Brown, you had Jerome Mincy, and you had Jarvis Herring that basically commandeered the plane when it landed on the tarmac at Gainesville, uh, coming back from Columbia, South yep, Carolina. Right. And these three guys, for almost three hours, stood up there and they called players out mm -hmm. and said, and said, we are tired of this. You know, some of you guys are playing for the NFL. Fine, leave now. Don't come back. Do not let the screen door hit you in the butt on the way out of here. Uh, they called them out. Uh, Saturday night, R.J. Raymond, of all people, a guy who was a walk-on, who got his scholarship before the year started, called his team out and from what what has been told uh, I, I've read he called the team out in the locker room as well. Let's see if that is that epiphany moment because it, starting in 2005 from that moment on Florida football was Urban's team. Let's see if this yeah. if this moment with R.J. Raymond calling his yeah, team good out point. Good makes point. this Mullins team because what we've seen the last two weeks is there weeks, and as you mentioned with these tweets, there is, you know, the resistance is still there, you know, and mm -hmm. that's why I say it's been done with smoke and mirrors because they've been able to hide the fact that there hasn't been that 100% mm -hmm. buy-in, and it, 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 it's obvious when you get in a game like Georgia and you get down a little bit. And all of a sudden, you're, you know, you go into the fourth quarter against Georgia and you're just down a touchdown. And then all of a sudden, the whole team just collapses. Yeah. Wow. Hard, you know. Yeah. Great point. You're right. It's leadership. And, and, and that story is in Irvin's book, by the way, about that plane on that tarmac and what happened. Uh, and and who who is going to rise up out of this? You know, as you say, there's a lot of lame ducks on this team right now. Uh, and uh, someone has to emerge from this locker room to stand up. Who will it be? Mullins says the quarterback is the leader. But the question and the problem is we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I'm betting that it'll be. I almost think he can't start Franks now, although he might. But you know he's never he's never quit on a, on a starting quarterback in all, his whole coaching career. He's never yanked a guy this early in the year, or this part, this late in the year. He's never done it. So. If I were betting right now, gosh, it's hard to say. It won't be Jones. It might be Trask, and it could even be Franks. Franks on a short leash. I don't know. What do you think? Well, it wouldn't bother me to see him pull an old Spurrier trick. Play them both? Say, and play them both. Mm -hmm. Maybe not alternate them every play as Spurrier did right. uh, with, with Noah Brandeis and Dougie Johnson. Mm-hmm. But maybe alternate them every series uh, in, in the first half and then go with the hot hand in the second. 
Yeah. Something like that wouldn't surprise me. Dan Mullen's got to shake this team up because yeah. I got I can tell you something. South Carolina is very, very capable of beating this Florida football team. Very capable. No doubt about they it. Have, no doubt about it. I mean, there's no question about it. I would be very worried if I think the one thing helps them is they lost, you know, a lot, half their secondary and all their starting safeties, maybe the top three. Uh, they got injuries, but I mean, it's it's a perfect spot for Muschamp to come in here and knock them off. And now you're hoping to beat Idaho and thinking, praying to God you don't lose to someone like FSU. You know, that's what you have to think about. So you know, nine and three is still there. Which yeah, when we started the season, we said nine and three is yeah. it would be a great year. I know, friends, uh, but that la- in that third quarter uh, in Gainesville, I don't think they're going to beat anybody. No, they could. I mean, I don't care Gainesville High School. They were terrible. They, they mailed it in. Absolutely mailed it in. And uh, I hate to use the term quit on them. Uh, that, that's kind of what it is. But I, I can't say that everybody quit on them, but some of them did. Yeah. And you know what? That's the story of the of the old Yeller era. That That's why I say that not everybody has bought in because we saw that in the three previous years that the Gators would get in tough situations. And when the tough got going, some guys quit. Yep. They did that. There's only one way to describe it. And that is some guys just didn't have the character to keep on keeping on. And yep. we're going to find out a lot about this team. Um, I, I, I am not at all down on Dan Mullen. And again, I'll, I'll make the statement. Coaches can only Get you ready. At some point in time, you got to sit there. You know, you were mentioning earlier Jim Haley. One of the things I always loved about Jim Haley was Jim Haley in, in his pregame in, in his pregame pep talks would say, "I've done all I can I can do. The rest is up to you." Yep, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought Jim Haley up. I'm going to play. I get hang up here from you. I'm going overtime to play a short bite from from a guy who knew him really well. Jim Haley did an amazing job. In addition to winning three state championships at Vanguard, he also put on a first rate, and you've been to it, uh, to a high school tournament called the King of the Sun, where there were scouts from everywhere that came there. The talent he brought in there, uh, he brought in uh, uh, Bobby Hurley's team, you know, from Washington. Uh, he brought in national teams. He brought the Miami teams. Uh, you know, Frank Martin uh, knew him from being playing in the tournament from Miami Senior High. Uh, and so Haley was an amazing guy. He's the, started the, started AAU basketball in this state, which really elevated mm. the whole state as yeah. far as basketball. He started a thing called Team Florida, and it gradually became Nike Team Florida, mm. which became a big deal. Nike Team Florida. Uh, you know, Chandler Parsons came out of Nike Team Florida. Scotty yeah. Wilbekin came out of Nike Team Florida. Yeah. Whole lot of, whole lot of guys that are that are getting nice paychecks uh, yeah. came from Nike Team Florida, and that was Jim Haley's yeah. roots. Yeah, he's a he was a, quite a guy. Francis, I'm gonna let you go. It's after ten o'clock. It's your bedtime. Good job. Good column. Good comments about the uh, – we'll see where things shake down. I might have you come in and give me a little cameo uh, later in the week on the basketball team. We've got basketball tomorrow night. Tomorrow night against uh, against Florida State, and 
I think it's going to be a good basketball game. I, the Gators have have maybe the best group of shooters we've seen here in a long, long time. Maybe the best group of shooters. I'm talking about overall. Yeah. Lots of them. Well, you know what we got to do? Why don't we do a little in-game discussion about 9-15? It's a 9 o'clock tip, right? All right. Yep. Sounds well, good. And you can give me your assessment of what you're seeing out there, all right? All right. Take care. All right, Francis. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank the Iron Duke. He's he's everywhere, the Iron Duke. Okay, uh, I'm going to. I had a chance to to do this earlier, and I want to play part of this interview uh, with my friend uh, Richard Burton. No, not that one. Who talked about Jim Haley? He's got a book coming out. I'll play this later in the week. This is a really good book he's got out in high school playoffs, the history of high school football playoffs in Florida since the 1960s. And Jim Haley was a special guy. And I want to just share part of this with you as we go off the air, right? Go out to the uh, Wrench Star Hotline tonight and talk to sports writer, author, basketball aficionado, and I call an expert, and one of the really good journalists when it comes to reading about high school sports. He's been doing it a long time. I know you've enjoyed his work, as I have all these years, but it's with a sad occasion to bring in Richard Burton tonight to talk about a friend you just lost, a guy who was the biggest basketball legend in high school football I remember in Florida, I don't know, forever, and who could be bigger than Jim Haley, who we lost last week. Definitely. His his contributions to, to basketball, not just in, in Marion County, I mean, it, it's all over the state. It, it's nationwide. I mean, Jim Haley, you go to – Portland, Oregon. I mean, Dale Osborne's an assistant coach with the Portland Trailblazers. You go to Texas, Travis Mays, uh, who played for the Hawks and the Kings. He's a women's coach at SMU. You go all over Frank, you know, Frank Martin, you know, and him and Haley were really close, the, the head coach at South Carolina. Uh, that goes back to when Martin was at uh, Miami High. I mean, you know, and just all the players he helped. And, and you didn't have to play for Haley. If you were like a opposing team, he probably got more more opposing players scholarship than his own team after at the end of the day after it was all said and done. And he really fought for his kids, and that was the thing. Um, you know, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, you know, Bobby Kennan, who uh, you know was at Forest High School, played there. He he went. He Haley got him a scholarship. Um, now he's the associate head coach at North Florida. I mean, his, his everywhere you go. I mean, Billy Donovan, you know, trusted listening to Coach Haley about stuff. I mean, every every coach who who was somebody really respected him, and it was just amazing how he knew these people. You know, he'd go to a Kentucky Florida game one time, and he walked down the bench, and you know, they're getting ready to tip off, and Tubby Smith's like, "Hey, Jim, how you doing?" <laughs> and he walks over, and same thing with Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan, "Hey, Jim, how's it going?" You know, getting ready to play this huge game for the SEC championship. So, uh, you know, he his, he's just a, he was just a legend, just a tremendous ambassador for the game of basketball aside from being a very successful high school basketball coach winning three state championships at vanguard high school he was a magnificent promoter of basketball i'm sorry i didn't live in florida during the team the height of the kingdom of the sun tournament which is one of the great high school basketball tournaments in the country with schools from all over the nation coming down to play in that thing but how he pulled that off in a small market like Ocala is beyond me. And he stayed here. He had many opportunities to leave and promoted the Kingdom of the Sun tournament in a magnificent way and something he brought to our community, which I think if there was a Hall of Fame, he'd be in basketball. He'd be number one in the line around here. 
Oh, definitely, definitely. I know he, he's been over the FACA him a few years ago, um, and I know just about the FAB, FABC is another one. I mean, every anybody who's ever anyone, you know, um, you know, definitely at the high school level honored him. And you know, he started in 1974. And he went to the principal Leon Rogers, who was from Kentucky. And in Kentucky, they have, you know, they're big about the 16-team tournaments. Well, Florida, they, they really didn't have very many, um, you know, or I think they, Haley, believe it, always used to tell me it was the, that the kingdom was the first. I know there was one in Kissimmee, and I can't remember when that started. I know it's no longer around. Uh, like this. Uh, those listening to the show know that I hate watching this this time of night, but hey, what the heck? It's, it's, uh, it makes me hungry. But there's a couple of dishes from Mark's Prime. Have you heard of Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood? Can't imagine that you haven't. If you've been around here at all more than five or six months, you know that, uh, this place is known for its terrific food. It's, uh, really premium beef. Uh, the great wines. The fresh vegetables that they have. Matter of fact, uh, all the visiting teams that come here to play football in the swamp, uh, they stay in Hilton and Ocala. Uh, and every Friday night, there's a group of people from traveling, not with a team, but alumni, and they come down and they glom on to the food at Mark's Prime in Ocala. Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood. Why? Because they have a unique dining experience. And they want to please your palate and soothe your soul, make you feel good about what you're eating, the finest beef, freshest seafood, premium wines, and naturally fresh vegetables. Go online and check them out at MarksPrimeSteakhouse.com. Uh, two locations to serve you. Gainesville, you can call 352-336-0077. Ocala, 352-402-0097. I have to warn you, you better call early if you want to try to get on the weekend because they get busy this time of year especially. So don't forget to tell them Buddy sent you to Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood where you want to have a unique dining experience, and you will, in fact, soothe your soul. All right, uh, one more thing before we take a little say goodnight to you. Uh, I wanted to uh, tell you about Tupperware. And why Tupperware? Well, it's, it's, it's a popular thing today because uh, it, well, why? Because it works, that's why. Uh, and it's, it, it's something that, uh, families for, for centuries, it seems like it's only been a few generations have been using Tupperware in their families as part of what grandma used to do and her mother probably. And, uh, if you want to know more about this, you can go to Facebook Tupperware Jen, but they, she's got, there's a couple, there's a holiday item or two right there. Uh, and you can get things that you need in the kitchen or you can get, uh, you can get dishes for, uh, holidays, uh, for candies and what have you, uh, all kinds of things you can get. Uh, you can get, uh, uh, microwave, uh, crock pots, etc. All, you can imagine what you can get in. So they're durable, they're easy to use, easy to clean. And, uh, Jen is, Jen Lay is someone who has supported this program and we always want to support her. So if you have a need or if you want to throw a Tupperware party and earn some money, a fundraiser for your organization, go to, uh, 
go to Jenley, J-E-N-L-E-Y, my Tupperware, my.tupperware.com, or go to, to uh, Tupperware Jen on Facebook and check it out. Uh, ask, you can see the catalogs there, order something, whatever, and uh, you will be glad you did because it's an excellent product and a terrific person, member of GNK, Jenley. Go out to the uh, Rent Star Hotline tonight. for the kingdom and for the Gator fans. A time when between being dealing with disappointment, somewhat confusing, frustration, and really being concerned that you're going to regress. I think you have to put it to rest at some point in time. And remember the times, as Brendan said last Sunday in our broadcast, about Look, look how far this program has come. There will be other days when the Gator Nation King will be back again contending. Right now they have a setback. And you have to decide, do you want to be in this or not? You can't just stick a finger in the water and then go running if something doesn't go right to you. You can complain and grouse and be disappointed and express dissatisfaction. We don't trash, we don't bash, we don't cuss around here. But uh, yeah, you can say that uh, they did a lousy job of coaching, and they did. And then the secondary played terrible and Franks deserved to be bent, all that. But don't ever lose the idea of what you want here. You want to be able to celebrate and cherish your team. You certainly want to support them. You want to give them some positive vibes on recruiting. Uh, you want to try to find the high road and the glass half full when you can. All right. So this is going to be a challenge for us all. We're in it together. We'll, we'll get through it. Uh, we'll be right here. For a long time to come, and uh, this is what we do here. This is what we do in the Gator Nation Kingdom. Remember, stay loyal to the Kingdom. Good night, everybody.